Hi, all. Welcome to Culture Yours Mental Health. I am your host, Tasha Wheat. And I'm your other host, Kelly Guyton. I am so glad and I'm so grateful that you have found this podcast. And if you found us, that means you are a person of color who is looking for a safe space to learn and to discuss all things mental health. I am a licensed therapist in Maryland. I've been licensed for the past five years now. I specialize in trauma. I am originally from Brooklyn, New York, uh, born and raised. My parents are both from Panama, so I am the first generation born here in the United States. Um, as you could imagine, um, being an Afro-Latina, being raised in Brooklyn was um, a very fun and interesting time between all my friends being Caribbean, you know, from Trinidad, Jamaica, Barbados, Grenada, and then you have the bodegas on the corner who are owned by Dominicans with the cats as managers and ordering a bacon egg and cheese every Saturday. Mm. And then you have the pizzerias that are owned by Arabics or Egyptians. That is also interesting, and they do make good slices of pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a veteran. I served this country for seven years. I did five years active duty, two years reserve. Being in the military within itself is just a whole nother cultural aspect. Um, it was a interesting five, seven years. I don't regret it, but I am happy it's over. <laughs> um, I'm a single mom of two. I have two beautiful daughters. They are my life. And everything I do is for them. I I chose to be a therapist because I love helping people. I love being able to help people find their way to heal, to grow. I love listening to them. I love giving them that space where they can talk about all the things they normally can't talk about and then just guiding them to the next step of now that I got this all out, what to do next. And I've just always known since I was a kid that therapy is what I wanted to do. At first, I wanted to be a lawyer. But Me then too. I, really? Yeah. But when <laughs> I found out that lawyers have to do a lot of uh, manipulating of the truth, let's call it that, I was just like, you know what? I don't think I could do that. I was too afraid I would have to defend somebody that was clearly wrong. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Manipulate the truth. And I, I wanted to... Uh, yeah, I was just like, you know what? Maybe I can just help them in a different way. <laughs> exactly. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going to be a therapist. And it just made more sense for me and my morals and values. Um, no disrespect to lawyers out there. We do need y'all. Yes, absolutely. Not just the civil rights one. <laughs> civil <laughs> law. <laughs> you know, lawyers definitely have their, their purpose and reason. Yes. And I, I appreciate all the legwork that they do that I know I couldn't do. Um. But I I picked to specialize in trauma because I knew I was built for it after 9-11 happened. Mm. Um, I was in the 10th grade, I think. And I remember being in class and we were getting, I think it was about third period, and we we're getting the news about like the plane circling around. And I'm pretty sure we looked out the window, we even saw the airplane wow. because I went to That's high right, school in Manhattan. Grew up in New York. Yeah, I went to high school in Manhattan. 
And we were just, you know, high school kids, like playing doing over here, making jokes mm-hmm. and stuff like that, not knowing what was happening yet. No one really knew what was happening yet. And then by the, I can't remember what period was in next, but whatever period that was, we were not allowed to leave our classrooms. It was just like, you guys have to stay here. You know, there's something going on. And then that's when the school got completely quiet. It was just dead silence. It was very eerie. And then that's when we started getting the news that, you know, the first plane hit mm-hmm. and the second plane hit. And you can see the teachers leaving the classroom to go see because, you know, you can see everything from our, our windows in certain places in the building. And it was scary. It was a very scary day. You can see some classmates had, like, parents who worked there, family members who mm-hmm. worked there. Um, and they, they wouldn't let us leave. Mm. And once they put us on lockdown, once they let us leave, that's when things kind of just got to start getting a little out of hand where kids were just like, you can't hold us here. Mm. We're ready to go. I want to go home. And rightfully so, right? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a terrorist attack. This mm-hmm. is, we've never lived through anything like this before in our lives. And everyone was just so high energy at this point because <clears throat> it's getting closer to the end of the day. We're ready to go home. And I was just so calm through the whole thing. I was just like very chill, just listening, um, observing. Mm-hmm. And basically, all my friends left. They walked out the door. They was just like, we're leaving. And the trains wasn't running. So I'm like, where, where, where are y'all going? They were just ready to go. They wasn't really thinking nothing through. They left and they walked across that Brooklyn Bridge. Mm. And in my mind, it's just like, I'm not walking across no Brooklyn Bridge because <laughs> what happens if another plane come and hit the bridge? I'm just like, I'm not doing mm-hmm. it. So I waited. Everyone left me pretty much. And I waited for the trains to start back running. I took the train home. We bypassed the World Trade Center train station. Mm. I remember it being very dusty. Um, the trains was very quiet. It was packed because everyone's trying to get home now. But it was quiet. I've never been on a quiet train before in my life until that day. Everyone knew. And we got home, back to Brooklyn. The corner stores that were owned by Middle Easterns were all closed. Wow. Because at that point, anyone who looked at, like they were from Afghanistan or you know, one of those countries, they were under attack. Mm-hmm. So all those, I remember all those stores being closed. The neighborhood was very quiet, but <clears throat> I say all that to say under all that stress, all under all that panic, panic. Um, I was just calm, and I don't know why. Especially as a what, fifteen-year-old, sixteen-year-old, I was just really calm, and I knew like, okay, drama is my thing. That ref- that definitely can speak to one of the qualities in being a therapist is knowing and literally knowing how to stay calm when there's so much going on around you, and being observant. You know, it carries a person further. Yeah. For sure. And that day I chose trauma and I've just been on that path ever since becoming licensed and then getting a certification to be specialized in trauma. That's a really powerful story. Yes. Thank you. It is. You're welcome. You. You're very, very welcome. Um, my, my, my experience was very different because I was in California. But I'm going to get to that and talk a little bit more about myself. Um, Tasha, do you want to share anything else about yourself you think our uh, listeners really must know about you? 
I think those are all the needs to know for now. Yeah, we, we, we're going to drop some golden nuggets in there about ourselves throughout these topics. <laughs> <laughs> for me, um, again, I'm Kelly. Um, I am black or African-American. Um, you know, my growing up was a little, just little spread out on different places. I got a, a different experience with the culture. Um, however, being black African-American, I'm perfectly aware that I am, you know, directly descended from slaves in this country. And I know that my descendants go beyond slavery too. And that's something I am still learning about my family background. And I'm very proud to know this, this, um, these historical facts about my family. It's very empowering because so many of us, you know, don't quite know exactly where we come from, even if it is an ugly truth from our past. And it's still empowering. Um, but I'm originally from South Jersey countryside. I must express, express the countryside, <laughs> not the city side. <laughs> um, but I, I, I bounced around quite a bit. You know, I, you know, started off in Jersey in the suburbs and then I ended up in, you know, Philly and then back to the country and then mm-hmm. to the country in Jersey. And then I ended up in California by the time I was 11 years old. And that's where I've been for 13 years. Um, growing up in the Bay Area in Southern California, um, but a good chunk of it was in the Bay Area. So that was quite an experience, um, experience there. And I went there with my parents, my mom, my dad, and my two older sisters. So I'm the youngest of three. And, um, growing up there, you know, at the time I didn't realize it, but now looking back, most of it was a culture shock. Um, growing up in Philly, people ask me why I talk a certain way. Mm. You know, I say water instead of water, mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I was like, say water again. I'm like, it's just water. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> so <laughs> that made me very self-aware how I present mm. um, uh, as uh, a young black girl. You know, I was just always liking to be in the outdoors. So, you know, going to California, it was nice, nice pickup. Um but I realized that growing around so many different diverse people, that there was this subtle racism that was around me and I didn't notice. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone else seemed to. So like Tasha, you know, I was observant. Yeah. You know, I noticed things going around around me, but I didn't say anything. I was just kind of curious why everyone was just acting the way they were and how they knew what they knew and how I just didn't know. Um, but that that led me to you know, of course, for me growing up in the church, a very different experience, um, spiritually, uh, emotionally. Of course, I'm a big, uh, big on sports as far as playing them, not so much as watching them. So don't ask me no stats. <laughs> <laughs> but that all of those things really influenced my worldview. You know, growing up in a Christian household, you know, going from state to state, you know, yeah. and being exposed to different cultures, different people, and then being put in my face, you know, not in a necessarily negative way, just being aware. Um, Mimi was just, yeah, there's just a lot of differences out yeah. there. There's a, there's a lot more going out in the world than my parents, that my parents were trying to protect me from. Um, and I'm naturally a curious person. So as I've gotten older, you know, speaking of, of, you know, 9-11, I was, I was in the eighth grade going to a private school, a private Christian school. Yikes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was different. You know, my dad was very adamant about what he wanted us to learn. And that's when I got home, 
you know, I remember at school, teachers were acting a little different and I just didn't pay no never mind to it. But by the time I got home, I was really hoping that what I saw on TV wasn't real. I, I just couldn't fathom like, oh, like, why would you put something like this on TV? Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of movie is this? Like, who, like this isn't funny. Right. And then I kept watching. I'm like, this doesn't look like a movie. But it, it was just so unreal. Yeah, I, it really was. I yeah. was hoping it was a movie. And I was just in shock. Um, but that's that's not quite where my my reasons to be a therapist, um, where my journey started. It actually started a couple of years later in high school. Um, just, you know, I started off as an extrovert, but it was very, it was very much known what we were supposed to believe, how we were supposed to behave, you know, um, and I didn't know, I couldn't articulate how I felt and what was going on on the inside. So I sat with my school counselor and in that moment, after learning that I finally don't need to go to summer school anymore, that I wanted to talk. She's a counselor. She's someone that's supposed to talk to me and help me figure out what's going on the inside. And instead, we just sat there in silence. And when we sat in silence, she turned around, kept doing some schoolwork or whatever she was doing on the computer and turned back around and kind of looked at me and was like, what now? And I'm like, I don't know. You tell me. And, right, yeah. and then she reiterated some points academically. And then I was like, OK, I guess that's it. And I left. And I left that office thinking how I was failed. Yeah, she basically failed you. And how that did not go the way I thought it would go. And what do I do now? So I just kept on internalizing. Um, and then it didn't take too long after that I realized that I don't want anyone to feel as helpless as I did then. Okay, so I really wanted to to help and be a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as life went on, I was hell bent on being an Olympian. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, because he was a track star. Yeah, I really love my She's sport. She's a track star. But not that kind of track star. <laughs> <laughs> I really love my sport. I was competitive. I still am. And I wanted to go to Olympics, but I knew just, just as a fail-safe, which I needed to go into psychology. And after a while, it just truly became a calling for mm-hmm. me. Because I did try to get away from that. I tried to go into sports. I tried to go into computers. And everywhere I went, um, no matter what the situation was, what I was going through, People continue to gravitate towards me mm-hmm. and just tell me things that I was pretty certain my body language didn't invite. Yet they still seen something in me and felt comfortable to do it. And that's when I learned the concept of listening and what it means to be a good listener and letting people just speak, letting people just talk and just hearing them out. And because I grew up the way I did, um, knowing there was a whole world out there, a lot of it came from curiosity. Just like, okay, I'm not sure why you're choosing to talk to me, but here we are. So let's <laughs> go for it. Like, so, hey, you have a nice face. I'm doing some everything. Right. And they just talk and I would just listen. Um, and that, that seemed to be a really powerful tool. And I couldn't, I, I just literally couldn't run from it. So I finally went ahead and just faced it and dove into being a therapist. And each time um, I, I show up, you know, it's, it's, it's rewarding. Yeah. It's very, very yeah. rewarding. And it definitely fulfills a deep feeling, you know, yeah. calling, if you will. Um, so I've been practicing just as long as Tasha, you know, for five years. Um, and, and I enjoy it. My specialty is in anxiety and depression. Um, trauma is, is real everywhere. So it's not like I don't know what to do with the trauma when, <laughs> when, when those come to me. Um, but it's not my specialty. It's the anxiety and depression, which does end up going back to the trauma, you know, yeah. that people may or may not be aware. And I want to speak to the trauma because it's not, it's, it's a personal experience. You know, we all experience, you know, 9-11 in our own ways, but it wasn't traumatic for everyone. For okay. me, it was not traumatic. It was just a pivotal moment. Like, wow, that happened. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. 
this is awful. And it was more of taking the blinds off to the world and, and not being so naive to for the sure. atrocities that exist in, in, in this world. Um, but it was not traumatic for me. Right. And it wasn't for me either. Um, but I can definitely relate to just being a therapist, being a calling. Cause even while I was in the military and, you know, I haven't didn't start my, not even my undergrad in psychology yet. And I remember just, you know, doing what I do and just thinking like, God, I could be doing something else, something more meaningful and purposeful. And I just, and, and my job was, it was not to toot my own horn, but my job was a big deal. It was a big it deal. It is a big deal. Toot, too. Let's toot these own horns. <laughs> it is a big deal. But I just knew that I, I was meant to do something way different. Um, you know, my military mm. job was physical. I mm. worked with fighter jets. And now I'm sitting in the office, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that the world is different. <laughs> it's a huge difference. Um, but I, I am more fulfilled. I know I'm serving my purpose. I am in the community and helping and healing and growing even within myself through the work. Same, yeah. You know. Absolutely. This, this practice, this calling does force growth. And one thing I've learned and, and have evolved into is valuing healing so much more than I did in the beginning Word. and how powerful it is um, to heal. And, and that's what led what I, what I think, you know, really helped led to the development of this podcast is really emphasizing the importance of healing in ourselves as individuals and how that spreads through our culture, through our family, yeah. through, through our people, yeah. you know, so whatever cultural background you may have healing really can unite us all. You know, we don't have to be this whole, okay, I'm over here, I'm over there and think that we're superior than the other person, we can all exist equally. Not to be like a bumper sticker of coexist, but <laughs> we really can't, we can't quite get there unless we heal within ourselves first. Yeah. It starts off with the individual, you know, and it, in the influence that we have on the people closest to us and, and so forth is a domino effect. Mm -hmm. So that healing, you know, that the value of healing has really grown exponentially in this practice. Yeah. So Kelly and I actually met in graduate school. Um, I remember sitting in class. You sat in front of me. I was, a, I'm a front row student. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a back row student. <laughs> and, but she was just very vocal, um, in our classes where, and I was not, and she would always say things I was thinking like literally <laughs> almost word for word. I never understood why not to say it. I know we all thinking you. <laughs> Kelly had no filter at times. And I would just still say, don't. And I would just sit there and I'm just like, wow, she said that. And I was thinking it. And then I finally, you know, spoke to her. It was like some sort of luncheon event. It was a luncheon event. And that's when you decided to, I had, once I said something outspoken again um, to a fellow classmate. And that's when you walked up next to me and told me I had the honesty of, of a fifth grader. Correct. Which we all know children can be very honest. Children are very honest and you know that it's coming from a good place and it's not to be rude, but it's just like, oh, by the way. Yeah. And yeah. It's just that unbiased honesty yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. But in my opinion, it, at the time it was frustration. I'm just like, yeah, someone has to say something because if we don't say something, then changes can't get made. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm pretty sure that was the first time I even spoke to Kelly. And that was the first thing I said to her. And I remember thinking, 
later on how bold it was for someone who don't know me to say something um, so forward to me. I personally found it um, interesting and funny. And from that point on, I don't know, it's kind of like a a happy bliss. Yeah. <laughs> We've just been friends We've ever been friends since. Like at that point, I knew that we were going to be friends forever. She didn't know it yet. And she Absolutely probably, not. and I'm no. pretty sure I told her, but she didn't believe me. And I probably let it go in one ear out the other. Yeah. <laughs> and it didn't matter to me. I didn't care what she thought or felt. No, and I didn't care either because you know if if a person's here to stay, they're they're gonna stay. Um, and so and we just been we've been friends ever since. Yeah. So we, we've been on this journey together. And so we we created culturally yours mental health because we wanted to create our own narratives about what is happening within our communities in regards mm-hmm. to mental health. We wanted to um, connect the voices and the faces to our mental health, that mm-hmm. there are therapists out here who look like you. There are other people um, within our culture who are going through the same mental health um, challenges, traumas, generational curses. Mm-hmm. And so I really got tired, honestly, of non-people of color having these conversations for us, telling us what it should look like for us. I'm just like, but how would you know mm-hmm. um, if it's not actually coming from us directly, you know? And I, it's so much better to see in here when it is coming from us directly. I really wanted to create this space where people felt comfortable and we're all learning and we're all educating and empowering and supporting one another. Um, in our mental health journeys. Yeah, and knowing that, you know, we're not alone. Mm-hmm. Like I said, even though we all um, can be present for the same events, we can have very different experiences. Um, but that doesn't mean that culturally we don't know how that can be interpreted or seen as. And I think that's one of the things that we, we really look forward in talking about in understanding those cultural nuances, mm-hmm. you know, when we're expressing the human experience, you know, so I, I, I'm really looking forward and in diving into these, uh, topics. these topics. I'm so okay. excited. We have prepared eight episodes for you guys. And I'm just so excited to talk about the history of mm-hmm. mental health, how we got here, um, why the stigmas and myths exist in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things that we say within our, our, our group of people in regards to mental health. Why, we, why are we even saying these things? Like, where did this even come from? And there literally is a whole history as to why. And once you guys are able to make those connections, it's just going to, I believe it will change everything for you. It, it, I, I think it does. I absolutely think it, think it does. I know it does. I've seen it change things. Um, so, you know, keep listening in. Um, you know, of course, we're going to we're going to hit all the hot topics and then some on the in-between. Um, so the season, we're going to really lay the groundwork for that. Yeah. So thank you for listening and tune into the next episode. Be informed. Be supported. Be empowered.